What's up everybody? My name is Joe Corley. I am on a healing journey. And on that journey I discovered the power of vulnerability. Vulnerability allows us to be our authentic selves. It allows us to build empathy for others and to work through our emotions easier and strengthen our most important relationships. The purpose of this show is to bring others on that same healing journey with me and foster some healing out there in the world. Welcome to Vulnerability is the New Sexy. All right, we back. And uh, just like I mentioned in the intro, um, you know, I'm always on the healing journey. And I'm going to talk about that a little deeper today with my friend of many, many years. I ain't going to date us, but it's been a long time. My friend, Jatoya. And um, and we were having a conversation the other day that I thought would be good for content. Or actually what happened was I I had a thought in my head and she was a person that I thought about. So I called her and we had a conversation about it. And um, what I want to talk about, you know, see, at times it literally feels like for me, like, uh, you know, in my in my lifetime, I've been fighting for my life. You know, in my time, I've I've battled depression and anxiety and I still hold space for other people uh, on their healing journeys. And of course, my family and my loved ones. But uh, part of, you know, my coping and, you know, something that I figured out for me is that you know, peace comes easier for me when I establish uh, a code or some type of guidelines and I do my best to live by it. Uh, uh, don't get me wrong, like any guidelines, you know, you set them and, you know, sometimes you you fall short of those. You just don't, you know, you can't be the way you want to be in every moment. You know, I still have to battle um, and I have to do what I can to maintain. Uh, but before I get to that code, you know, I want to talk about, you know, some of the programming that, you know, I grew up with and some, you know, some of the programming that you grew up with that kind of determines how we see things, you know, and how, you know, how life basically uh, is dictated to us, you know, and what I mean is like, for example, you know, I've said many times before that my father was not a presence in my life, right? And, you know, stepfather was a hard man. And, you know, I didn't have I didn't have grandfathers and, you know, uncles were hard men. But what I'm saying is all I had to be um, in my environment, you know, you know, they had to be. I knew I understood that. You know, like your father and my uncles, they grew up in a time where you kind of had to be hard. You know, this is, um, you know where we at, you know. Hard to survive, yeah. Yeah, you know where we at. And, you know, time times, although, they, you know, depending on your perspective, they, they you know, they've changed. Um, But, you know, some, some most of it stays the same, but I'm not going to go down that road right now. What I'm saying is, I never saw like a model of vulnerability from a male. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm really curious to how you feel about this. Because not, not only are you, you married, you grew up with your father, but you're also raising three boys. So um, 
I guess, I guess I want you to tell me about, you know, when you, when I say what I just said, you know, I didn't have a model of vulnerability for a male for you as a black woman raising three black men, like, does that spark any feelings for you or any thoughts? Definitely. I'm a total boy mom. Okay. Uh, someone, my, one of my mentors back in the day told me I was too hard to have a daughter. So, and that was way before I had any children. So he, that was a prediction that came true. But I think from what you just said, something really did just spark in my, in my mind. And my grandfather, my mother's father was extremely vulnerable. And, you know, he came from a generation before our parents and he was a very sensitive man. He was a strong man, but he was a very sensitive man who had 16 children in total, 12 that he was raising with my grandmother, uh, who he was married to. Uh, they had seven sons. And what I saw in terms of male role model leadership in our family was a real broad spectrum of what manhood looks like. So my grandfather would cry if he felt emotional about things. And my grandmother would kind of get annoyed or frustrated by that sometimes. Like, what are you crying for? You know, like that kind of thing. But it showed me, you know, how the heart of a man can show up and be extremely manly at the same time. So I never uh, shy away with holding my sons accountable for being in control of their emotions and expressing their emotions. You know, um, my husband is very, very uh, vocal when it comes to his feelings. Um, and we have a very open communication dialogue in our marriage. We talk about things like we don't we don't put things under the rug. And that's something that I saw more from my dad's point of view. So I, I think I saw that spectrum. Like my dad was not an emotional uh, type of guy in terms of uh -huh. sensitive emotions. He uh, still is very uh, straight faced. You can't really crack a smile out of him unless you know, you're know you in that super inner circle with him. Um, he's a man's man type of guy, you know, he likes, you know, being, being tough or being, you know, um, direct and, and not, not vulnerable. Um, so I've seen kind of all of it. I've seen all of it, but what I'm building with my husband, I feel like a great sense of pride in terms of embracing vulnerability and being honest about how we feel. And so I know for a fact that my sons will grow up and always know how to tap into what they're feeling. Uh, so we try to have, we call, we call it like the house of creatives, right? So we express ourselves in a number of different ways in our family. So my husband does music. Our oldest son does music. Our second son is an artist. Uh, our baby is really exploring, you know, right now he's 13. He's exploring what that looks like for him. Um, and we try to kind of make that the foundation of kind of the way that we live. So right. I'm so proud of you, Joe, for the way that you've conducted your podcast, because it creates a space for Black men to embrace that vulnerability 
And I don't think you can really grow unless you're being honest about how you feel in that space. And even, you know, with my dad, he has four daughters. Um, so we know how to tap into his vulnerability. Right. Um, he does that with us. But to the world, no. Like society yeah. doesn't get to see that side. But I also can understand that. I understand that that's a protective nature um, to be able to try to stand strong for your family and show up in that way for your family. So, you know, I can, I can respect all sides, all perspectives when it comes to that. You know, sometimes some things are just private and you don't want to share certain things with the world. But I think that Black men, you know, owe it to themselves to be, you know, tapped into their true nature. Um, and so that's something that I respect so much for my husband. You know, he's he's just going to be him. He's right. him at yeah. <laughs> well, you know how I feel about your dad's facial expressions. Uh, I've been very vocal about that. I I witnessed it for the first time over 30 years ago and uh I've never I've never seen him crack a different facial expression than the one I first saw. Yeah. And I, I still get the shivers. Um that makes that makes me curious to something that you just said. Um for me, I I, I don't remember growing up seeing a grown man cry. Um, mm. in my lifetime. So my programming turns into, well, men must not cry. Men don't talk to each other. There's no value in vulnerability. So, you know, you saying what you just said about being proud of me, that's, that's a place I had to get to. So it makes me think, or makes me curious about, you said that you had a spectrum. Um, so with that spectrum between your grandfather and your father and, and whoever other, whatever other men like, what is your programming as you're young, you're growing up and you're showing up in relationships. What does your programming tell you about men? You know, like what are men supposed to look like or how they're supposed to show up? I mean, not, I'm talking about as you're growing up, not, not as you're a mature woman now, but as you're growing up, what was it telling you? I think like from my childhood, you know, up into my adulthood, I just saw a lot of diversity and what it made me feel is like, accept people for where they are in their journey. Yeah. Um, I've seen, you know, examples where, you know, I know black men who've gone to therapy and I've seen the difference, you know, before and after. Um, but I just think that, you know, we have to show up for each other where we are. So I think that it's important um, to not necessarily like, point out or make recommendations about what people should or shouldn't do, but to kind of accept people for who they are. No, I agree with that. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering like when you were growing up though, before you figured all this out, I mean, mm -hmm. that you like, what were some of the things that you thought, you know, whether they were wrong or right with, well, men shouldn't do that. Men should do like, what was some of the programming that you thought? Well, I, I definitely thought that men should be strong that men should be providers. And that came definitely from my dad and from my grandfather um, providing for 16 children. You know, that's a lot. That's what my grandfather did. And he did it so willingly um, that that's something that I just really expected. And I don't just mean like providing like a home or finance or something. I mean like providing a environment for people to develop. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So yeah. like, I mean, like providing the nurturing that only can come from a father, 
uh, the nurturing that can only come from a husband. I expected that from what I saw growing up because the men in my life showed up consistently. That's tough. You, I know you don't have any daughters, but when you, uh, you, 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 you know, you got nieces or whatnot. I mean, I'm sure you can so with other young women you've seen in your lifetime. Like, I don't know if that, what you just said is, is, is a common thing, you know, you know, mm -hmm. so I'm curious to like, when you have conversations with other females, does like, does, does that contract, like, is your belief, like, you're like looking at them like, oh, you don't see it to say the way, I, I mean, how does it work for you? Yeah. Um, I think most of the people who I'm close with in terms of the women in my life didn't see the same experience that I did. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of my friends grew up with dads who weren't as consistent didn't show up as consistently. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, like I was saying before, allowing people to be who they are and not make recommendations about you should or shouldn't and just kind of learning from what they experienced. And that gave me just more gratitude um, for what I had around me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just made me appreciate the way that the men in my life showed up. Yeah. You know, it made yeah. me appreciate um, those emotional conversations that I would hear from my grandfather and the consistent nature of my dad. And, you know, it just gave me more gratitude as opposed to feeling like, you know, there's some lack for someone else. You know what I'm saying? Does that make yeah. sense? No, no, it makes sense. What I'm doing right now is I'm just tapping into, you know, what the programming, you know, I like to call it programming that made you who you are. You know, obviously life experiences, you know, switch to programming a little bit, but a lot of it in the beginning of your life is out of your control. Yeah. Um, and I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about, you know, I've known you a long time and, you know, I've never heard you say these things. So like, it's making a lot of you clear to me, you know, like you would always be so willing to pop off, you know, <laughs> like, I'm just for real, you know, what I mean? <laughs> since we were kids, you would always, if it was, if it was, if it was a need to pop off, if it was time to pop, you would be so willing to be the first one to pop off. And I'm feeling like a lot of what you're saying uh, made space for that. You I know? always felt very, very protected yeah. and very supported. And right. that came, you know, I, I have a very um, matriarchal family, if that makes sense. So there's very strong women in my family who are very vocal. But mm -hmm. I think that comes from having this male support at all times. Yeah. You know, don't make me call my seven uncles. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like right. I got I got 20 something first cousins. Like yeah. I always just felt like, you know, somebody has my back and it's not, you know, right. It's it's a broad spectrum of that. Right. And yeah. I don't want to put put it all in the mail cup. I mean, what you said about, you know, the women in your family also being strong and vocal, like it's a bad, it's all a balance. So mm -hmm. I understand. I understand. Um, but I don't know if the women in my family would have been as strong and vocal without, if there wasn't always a constant male presence. The safety. You know what I'm saying? The security. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. I really do. 
I didn't know I was the pop off. Come on, <laughs> come on now. Let's let, we're not finna get on here and start <laughs> start pretending. I know who you are now. You know that's that's a long time ago. You know what I mean. You were calmer. <laughs> you know you're a calmer version of this. I remember when you came. Uh, it's a little side note when you came uh, for uh, Donna's thirtieth, and um and you were sitting in our living room, and I said some across the room like, oh you find you know I was talking to you and Q. I was like, you finally found somebody to put up with all your crazy, huh? <laughs> And I was dead serious. I wasn't trying to make a joke or none, but <laughs> but uh, like you were just. Oh, he knows yeah. how to keep me grounded. Yeah, it's not yeah. an easy task. Yeah, no, you're definitely different. You know, like I said, I know you a long time. You're in a much calmer. You know, not to say you were wild or anything like that, but you definitely pop off. That's that. <laughs> I remember that. I'm not making that up. Not All right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my mother passed away, as you know, when I was 15 and I had, you know, people that cared for me and, you know, nobody loved me the way that she did though. Um, mm -hmm. so in my own way, you know, I, my program, I immediately at 15 went into survivor mode, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm still a child at the time. So my programming becomes, you know, a place where like, I'm I'm young and I'm feel unsafe and I'm insecure and and he's and and he and it's you know I'm listening to you talk about you know how you came up and I'm like like I'm 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 literally having a physical reaction to what you're saying because um you know in these moments for me you know I thought about different things and how you know how we show up in the world and for me. I trace things back to these moments um, where, you know, I had these significant traumatic events, you know, my father disappearing when I was five, my father disappeared when I was five, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you saying, you know, your, your father's still showing up, you know? Um, and I really appreciate that. You know, my mother dying when I was 15, you know, um, other things, some of the things that I learned, around this time, you know, where a lot of people pleasing behaviors, you know, um, which over time, you know, became harmful to me, destructive to my peace. And, you know, like, for example, you know, I'm trying to please others at times. And I made many decisions that worked against my purpose and my peace. And anything that works against your true purpose and your goals is going to be disrupted to your peace, long-term and short-term. Um, I wonder how, you know, first, does that, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yes. And like, so for you, I'm listening to you. Did, was anything, was anything in your, in, when you're, when you're talking about this thing, did, do you relate to anything that I just said? Like, as far as like being disrupted to your peace or your purpose coming up? Cause I'm sure like there's people that don't, I'm listening to you, right? If you would have tried to have this conversation with me at 15, 16, 17, I'd be like, I don't understand what you're saying, Jatoya. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. So what we were kind of talking about before and what you were mentioning about your dad being gone when you were five years old, I have an incredible amount of sensitivity about that. 
um, towards others, towards you, um, towards other people in my life who've had similar situations. Um, it, it makes me have sort of a physical reaction to that too. Um, but I think, you know, kind of the programming that you were talking about always made me feel at every age of my life that it was vital that I was going to be true to me and that I wasn't ever going to please people. Like that has been, I, I'm not a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think that um, it can be unpopular. So we, in our family, <laughs> in our family, we, we, do a, we do a thing like, um, what's your unpopular opinion today? You know, and we'll say whatever it is on our mind. Yeah. And it's unpopular. I don't, mm -hmm. it's not in my wheelhouse to be concerned about how you think about me. But I think that, you know, from that programming, I have had confidence built in me since I was born that came from all these different dimensions of these very important people in my life. And it's like half and half men and women. And the way that a man makes you feel confident is totally different than the way a woman makes you feel confident. So I feel like I've always had that balance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. When, when, when do you That's feel like, up to me. yeah. And it makes me, it makes me go want to probe a little deeper. Cause now I want to understand, like it's, you said, it basically sounds like you've always been able to establish boundaries in your life. Um, I'm not sure about that. Okay. I think um, like when I think about my career, I have not always chosen healthy boundaries. You know, I've, yeah. you know, I've kind of been, I'll call it an overachiever is not necessarily to please people, but in order to um, sort of try to create the life that I wanted, mm -hmm. I had something in mind. And I felt like in order to achieve X, Y, Z, I have to do X, Y, Z. So I would sometimes overexert myself in the career space, which is not an appropriate boundary for the family space. Right. So it's always a, a moving target in terms of the boundary setting. I think I'm doing a good job of setting boundaries now, um, better than I was before. But even in terms of personal relationships, we talked about this before too. I haven't always felt like things are reciprocated. Mm -hmm. So I haven't known always how to set an appropriate boundary with people who I felt weren't reciprocating things that I was putting out in the world. So mm -hmm. I think that's just like, you know, your life experiences guide you along through that part of your journey and you learn over your birthdays you know, how to say, oh, nope, I see this isn't showing up for me. So I'm going to pull back a little bit over here. But it took me years I was about to, ask, to be able yeah. to even see that. And I, you know, would try to just pour in and pour in without anything being poured back for some relationships. When do you think so, that started for you? When did it start? Yeah, when you started recognizing that. Oh, this is probably recent. Oh wow! In the last okay. Five years or so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, we we've talked about boundaries before, and uh, and I I know there's some confusion between boundaries and selfishness, 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I believe there's a definite difference. And this is something I've had to learn. Like you said, you're kind of learning and uh, program it to my personal code. You know, it's like uh, I want to be of service to people. And I know you're a sharing and caring person, too. So that's part of who you are. Um, but you're not a people pleaser. Right. So there's a, there's a difference between that, too. But I do know you, you know, you're a generous person. If you have information, if you have, you know, resources, you you share. Um, but, and I'm same way, but I don't want to, I've, I had a bad habit of like going against my, my, my purpose, um, or my true nature. And, you know, I don't want to make a choice that goes against my values because my values define my goals in life and my goals are defined by my purpose. And then my purpose guides my peace. So, you know, the biggest part that I've learned later in life um, to, 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 to basically the foundation of my code is I do not work against myself anymore, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I'm not, don't correct me if I'm wrong, but that kind of sounds like what you're saying that you just kind of learned recently. Yeah. I think, you know, um, I know what I want. And I think that's a really important um, thing to know. You know, uh, we had a girl's trip, your wife and I, and a couple of our good girlfriends. We went to see a psychic. And during that uh, experience, the psychic said to me that I needed to ask my children on a regular basis two questions. The first one was, what do you want? And the second one is, why is that important to you on a regular basis? And just keep seeing how that changes for them over time. And so I've been doing that, but I also have been asking myself that a lot. Oh, wow. And in yeah. order to kind of not go against what you want, you have to know what you want, you know? And I think for, I would say like during my thirties when my babies were kind of just, you know, coming into their own and getting to know their own personalities and whatnot, what I wanted was irrelevant. I was doing so much business of making sure they had all of their needs met, some mm-hmm. of their wants met, that I stopped thinking about what I really wanted. And so once they started to become more independent, then I started to think about that more. But now I'm a lot more intentional. And I do that check-in with myself very, very regularly. You know, even if it's just a question of the day. Like when I wake up in the morning, what do I want to get out of today? You know, that's something I ask myself every single day. So it gives me that purpose and it sort of becomes my task manager on how I prioritize my day. And it helps me get to what I really want. And then that overarching decision about all those little baby steps that you need to accomplish in order to get to that big picture becomes so much more clear. But if you're just kind of functioning in survival mode, like you were saying before, what you want is not really a thought. It's what you need, yes. you know, in order to survive. What do I need? Yes. You know, so 100%. it's a privilege to be able to ask, what do I want? And what's you know? the second question? What do you want? And and why is it important to you? Why is it important to you? When you, and when you started asking yourself that, did did 
your answers start changing from? Yeah. And they can change from day to day. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just want rest. Mm. Sometimes I just want rest. Sometimes my mind is going too fast and it's not helpful to my purpose mm-hmm. because it's distracting from what I want. So I've recognized, learned to recognize when it's time to reset and just do nothing. So whatever these answers are for yourself, you know, what do I want and why is it important to me? When if you're when you're honest with yourself about those answers, um, and it and it goes against what you actually have going on for that time frame, do you stick with the answers to the questions or you just complete whatever you got to complete? Sometimes I say no. Mm-hmm. If it's not if it's not going to help me get to what I want that day, it's a no. Okay, because sometimes what, sometimes you that. have to sometimes you have to go with what you need, huh? Can't always yeah, be about what you want. You have to go with what you need, especially when you have children. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you were uh, when you were um, pouring into your children and not so much into yourself. Um, how did that show up? Like, how did that look for you? Like, were you content, angry, uh, sad at times? Were you just going through the motions? I was ill. Ooh. I would get physically sick often. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. And that's, uh, I mean, that's, this is recent. You're yeah. figuring this out, right? Okay. So we go on healing journeys and, you know, I definitely want to know more about yours, but for me, mine has always begin with pain. You know, like I'm not the same person I was obviously five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. And even though I've been dealing with these, these traumas for the majority of my life, it finally is like, okay, let me, let me start. I mean, first of all, let me say that, that little check-in I wish I had that, that you just gave, that's a dope check-in with yourself. I wish I had a heard of that earlier that's really dope i hope somebody picked that up and is going to use that but um you know me i've been hurt so many different ways on just on the just on the healing journey like me trying to really figure it out um and i wanted to hurt others i want revenge Mm -hmm. at times and you know and i was like there's no peace in that no there's no peace in that and my my original programming had me believe that like my healing would come through other people's pain, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like if they feel this pain, then I'm gonna feel better. And, uh, I recognize now with like my new coding is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to lead with empty and love, you know? So that's like the second big piece for me is like, I lead with empathy and love in everything that I do. And it's, uh, it's it can be difficult to uphold that, but when I follow it, I feel more at peace. You know, so like you see, I'm establishing just these guidelines. You know, we kind of talked about them on the phone the other day. That kind of lead me to be able to just function in the world, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's the second one for me. Is like I'm just gonna start everything with empathy and love, and then you know what's. And I, I think I heard you say earlier, like, uh, that's not for me, then I'm moving away from it. I think that empathy and love is critical in terms of like your personal relationships. 
Um, but if you're not leading with empathy and love for yourself first, before you start pouring into the others, then it's gonna it's going to stall your healing process. That's what I think because I have felt like you a lot. Like when someone would hurt me, I would want to hurt them back, and I still am in. You know, I have to practice. You know, what I'm saying I have to practice this on a daily basis sometimes <laughs> because people will push yeah. you beyond yeah. what you where you like to be. And that's right. kind of what I was talking about the other day too. Like everything ain't zen. Yeah. And I still can pop off. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> that's not a space that I like to be in anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think like, you know, we've been knowing each other since we were little kids. Yeah. And I used to get something out of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like here I am saying this and that or doing this and that. It made me feel good. Yeah. But now that I'm a grown adult, like there's really no space for that in my world. But I still have to practice. I'm still not where I really want to be, you know, in terms of that, because there are certain triggers that will set me off. For sure. Especially if it comes to my children. For sure. You know. Yeah. So I have to choose, I have to not choose violence. I'll put it that way. And I don't mean in like a go to jail type of way but you know in terms of like my zen and my peace you know I don't I don't want to be there anymore I prefer to feel peaceful but like I said to me for me if I don't lead with empathy and love for self first then I'm going to show up in the pop-off he would lead with empathy and love for yourself first man that's intense I'm definitely taking that taking that to heart too and uh, I, think I wish when you're was... vulnerable, though, Joe. I think when you're vulnerable, you can be empathetic towards yourself. But yeah, if you're not sure. being vulnerable, when you're that stoic figure, then you're not being empathetic towards you. Yeah. And when yeah. you're in on a self love journey, you have to accept yourself for everything you are as you're showing up right now. Yeah. You know, and what you when you said that, I know that's important, and you know. But I don't know if I've ever said it out loud because, uh, but I mean, you saying it out loud is something that I'm probably going to, you know, implement even when I'm dealing with my clients in my session, because I I never said that out loud. You know, you got to start with empathy and love for yourself. That is uh that's a, that's a bar. Oh, and this is oh, a guy, which is visual because y'all cannot see her face when she's talking about this, uh, <laughs> I just pop it off uh, anyway. Uh, so I've read a, I read a lot of books in my journey. And one of them was, uh, I don't know if you ever, have you ever read the four agreements? Yes. Okay. Dope. And, uh, that was a great read. You know, I encourage everyone to go read that and, uh, and I won't get into a recap of the book, but, um, I want to give that book its proper credit for, um, for what I took from it. And, um, mainly what I learned, you know, is uh I, I I'm doing my best now to not make assumptions and not to take things personal. Like those are the, the the for real, for real. You know what I mean? And um because when you when I do that, you know, I can resolve my anger towards people much faster, you know, and that's kind of something that I've dealt with a long time, you know. And you know, anxiety for me is bad. I, I suffer from anxiety 
or I, I, I have, or I once did. It's not so bad anymore, but it's basically fear of the unknown, you know, um, and the worst of it comes from assuming outcomes that we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so whenever I, I feel myself feeling anxious or, you know, you know, I literally start to have the necessary dialogue with myself about where that anxiety is coming from. And um, am I taking something personal that I shouldn't be taking personal? And usually if I'm honest with myself, most times I can make myself feel safe in that moment and my anxiety will go away. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You take anything from that book that you wanted to share? I mean, I say, or at uh, or anything that I said just now. Yes, I also suffer from anxiety. Okay. Um, and my spiritual practices help me with it the most. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm. It's also something that you know I'm a firm proponent of therapy counseling you know, psychiatric help, whatever you need in order to Mm -hmm. get you to a more comfortable space in your skin. Mm -hmm. I'm a proponent of that. Um, And you mentioned the four agreements, but I had to mention this other book that I've read. I don't know if you've read it. It's called The Art of Happiness. Have you read that? I have not, but I will. Download it today. It's worth your read. It's a very quick read. I made all my boys read it. And the one takeaway from that book that I found was so profound was, and it helped with anxiety too, is um, that you can decide during any moment that whatever is happening to you is for your absolute good, no matter what it is. That actually makes a lot of sense. The book does an incredible way. It, It does an incredible job of, breaking it down much deeper than that. But on a surface level, I think that's a big takeaway. And that's something that does help me when I am dealing with anxiety. Panther no. <laughs> no, that's that's that makes actually a lot of sense. And I'm 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 probably gonna dig deeper into that exact point in a, in a different episode. But yeah, everything that happens to you is for your absolute good. I I one hundred percent stand on that um right now um i kind of lost my train of thought but it was something you said that made me want to ask you a question but i forgot anyway uh one one, one, another thing i want to touch on is um no that's exactly what i was going to say when you said you, you advocate for therapy and and you also said the spirit spirituality um has helps guide you in these moments. And I just want to co-sign that because spirituality, whatever it is for you, whatever that means for you, and the combination of therapy literally saved my life. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you when you say that, I want to make sure I emphasize that because those are the things that like get you through. Um you have to be and I don't want to tell anybody what to do, but for me, I had to believe in something, mm-hmm. you know, and then I had to work on, combine that with working on myself in a real, real way. So the therapy and the spirituality connecting, critical, critical. I just want to co-sign that because you said it. And I think yeah. in our community, 
there is still so much taboo around receiving help from outside of that's your four sure. walls. Yeah. And that's some bullshit. Like yeah. we have to be really real. Like we all have to care for our physical health, our mental health. And there's everybody, you know, when people say things like, oh, this person is fill in the blank and it's a mental health issue. Yeah. I'm like, who doesn't have a mental health issue right. living in this world? Right. So the stigma around mental health is gotta go. ridiculous. It's got to go. If you're living in this world and you're a real person, there's something that bothers you. Yes. And something that you probably could use some help with. Yes. So especially if you're black, cut it out. Especially if you're black, cut it out. Yeah. And Uh, I love, you know, I I practice Christianity as part of my spiritual practice. Um, The church can't fix everything. No, because the church is filled with people who've never received help from right. outside. Right, you you're one hundred percent right. You got to define, you know, your spirituality in a way that works for you. You know, like seriously, mm-hmm. I, 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 I can't stress that enough. Um, but you know, I mentioned the, the art of happiness. That book is more of a Buddhist offset, and I, I teach my children um to really explore different religions because I'm a believer that all paths lead to God all paths yeah so I want them to be informed about different practices beyond Christianity with Bible reading and praying right you know asking the Holy Ghost to come in and help you there are other practices that we can look to and understand in order to for me, fulfill my spiritual path. 100%. So I practice Christianity, but I'm also aware and informed about other religions and some of the practices that exist there because all paths lead to God. 100%. That's right on time. This is exactly what I was going to transition into. Like uh, the next part of my code is the spiritual element, you know? And I was once in a um, room uh, in the audience. At, at church and what they had was they had a panel of, of religious leaders from all different, you know, types and cultures and backgrounds, you know, like Christianity, Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, everything. And uh, my purpose was to understand the commonalities between everyone up there. And what I got from it, the biggest takeaway that I got, uh, at the end of the day, it all boils down to love mm-hmm. and being led by love. And it sounds kind of like what you just said, all paths lead to God. It's pretty, you know, that's that's they all have different ways of going about it. But all all of the all of the, the rabbi, you know, all, all everybody up there, it all came down to, you know, do no harm, lead with love, you know. And that's and that it was it, it just simplified everything for me, you know, that uh to never engage in anything with the intent to do harm, not even those who mean you harm, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously protect yourself, but you know, if I have to start if I have to start explaining this too deep, then you you probably already missed my point. Uh, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yes. 
I'm just mm-hmm. agreeing with and what I you just said. I can't take credit for that. The quote that's a Maya Angelou quote. I can't take credit for it. Okay. But I do think that um, even an atheist is a path to God. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. No, I, I, all yeah. paths. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is for your good. You know what I mean? I mean, I I, I agree with that. Uh, so just recapping the 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 the, the overview of my code for me and i want you to share anything that you like you you know you kind of already kind of tapped in some of the some of the things that you kind of live by and are guided by and i don't know if you've ever defined it before other than just you know saying it piece by piece and if you have let me know but for me you know it's um don't make don't make choices or decisions that go against myself or my purpose or who i aspire to be if i'm in a situation where the decision is causing me to go against my true nature. It's probably not for me. And I need to listen to that, you know, lead with empathy and love. But I'm adding there now, you know, start with yourself and then transition into others, but lead with empathy and love. And, um, you know, I don't gain any peace from doing harm and try not to uh, take things personally or make assumptions, you know, and then for me, be rooted in, you know, a spiritual element of everything you do, because, you know, all paths lead to that, you know, and, uh, you know, I could drill down deeper and, you know, but I'm not going to do that right now. You know, it's part, that's, that's just, it's just because everybody's journey looks different. That's just my personal journey. And I mean, what I've said might not have meaning for everyone listening, but, uh, you know, mainly I hope that, what somebody takes away from the episode is the the process you know you spoke about your process of how you get you weren't always where you are there's a process of getting there there's things that you have to go through lessons that you have to take in that get you to a place where you can have peace in this element of your life even if you still struggle with something over here but you can work on that and there's a process for that you know i'm human you're human and uh, you know, we we've we have dark seasons in our life. And uh, you know, I'm gonna continue to give myself grace, continue to do the best I can to follow my code. And when I fall short, I'm gonna take accountability and I'm just gonna do better. Mm-hmm. So let me let me let me ask you what I just asked you earlier. Do you did have you ever defined it that way or or do you just kinda like, oh, okay, this is something I learned. I'm gonna I'm gonna live by that and keep it moving. I think um, I've never truly defined a code because we that's what we were talking about the other day. I don't yeah. think I've ever truly defined a code. He's like, I, nah, son, no rules for me, son. Yeah, no <laughs> rules. <laughs> no guidelines. I, <laughs> I was like, I call her outside the lines. Hold on, hold no. on. <laughs> but I think that the thing that helps me the most if I were to define a code is to find peace in any situation that I'm in. So, and that looks like when things are imperfect, which all things are imperfect except God, how can I tap into God so that I can feel some peace? You know, and and being able to maintain who I am and who I want to be 
in any situation. So that helps me not pop off. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Here you go. Sometimes. I can't. <laughs> I know people got, you know, long friendships out there, but there's such a beauty in uh, knowing somebody for so long and watching them uh, transition through so many different stages. I'm sitting here listening to you like I'm literally my life with you was flashing in front of me. And I'm like, it's just nice to to be able to the blessing of still be able to sit here and kind of see, you know, where you are from. I mean, like you were little, like we were very we were very much kids. Yeah. You know, and um uh, to to the blessing of sitting here and watching you become who you are is uh, I have a lot of gratitude in my heart for that. And I'm grateful that we can sit and have this conversation. Who would have thought, you know? Ooh, I'm very grateful. You're talking I'm very grateful. Yeah. And I'm very proud of the family that you've created. Same, same. Family. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, thank everybody for listening. You know, did you have anything you wanted to say before I close it down? Anything you want to um, add it's on your heart? I guess just that peace is a journey and it can be a bumpy road sometimes. Yes. So I think it's really important to forgive yourself and others when nice. you're causing yourself harm or if you're causing others harm and fail fast and move forward. All right, there you go. And look out for your documentary. You want to? <laughs> oh yeah, we're having a, a mini doc that's coming out introducing Fly Robotics. Everybody check for Fly Robotics on all down uh, all downloading streaming platforms. It's available everywhere uh at the end of the summer. But go check out that music so you could get to know the artist Fly Robotics. Right. Shout I'm hoping I have a new theme song by the time this episode comes out. I put that <laughs> pressure on. Tell them to get to work. I'm looking for I'll that give theme a little song. nudge when he gets back yeah. home. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thank everybody for listening. Make sure you rate the show. Follow me on social media. Give me some feedback on how the conversation affects, affects or impacts you. I would love to hear from you. And God willing, I will see y'all next time. Thank you, Jatoya. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Vulnerabilities and New Sexy. I really appreciate the support made it this far go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can know when new episodes are coming and i'll see you next time i really appreciate you